when I was about 20 years old, my best friend and I, Seth, we decided that we were just going to stop messing around. We were going to get in shape. We were going to get jacked, actually. That was the goal. As you can see, it didn't go so well. But we were like, we're going to just do this. And so we like literally emptied out his parents' garage, got a bunch of weights and different exercise equipment set up in there, and we were ready to go. And I remember night one, we were like, let's go. And we were like, all right, let's, let, let's do a little jog. Let's, let's get the blood flowing, you know? And so we, we started jogging around the neighbor, like, yeah, we're going to be so jacked, man. It's going to be so great. And about like after a block, it was like, yo, you want to walk this one out? Like, we'll, we'll make it to the end of the vlog, you know, don't want to get the blood flowing too much. And then we got back and we started lifting weights. We only lasted about five minutes because we were laughing at one another for how weak and stupid we looked, okay? And it was really bad. And when you are lifting heavy things and you start laughing, you know how, like, you lose your power? And so it was dangerous. I mean, I had a good seven or eight pounds on that bench press. Very dangerous stuff, you know? But it is not as easy to be healthy as sometimes we think or plan, right? And so in this series, we're talking about being healthy, not our bodies, all of that's helpful. We're talking about being healthy in our souls as people. We don't talk about that enough, right? And we're also talking about being healthy as a church. We want to be healthy people who make up a healthy church. And last week, we talked about boundaries. We talked about putting some boundaries in our lives that we don't realize our schedule is spiritual, that it's really important that we make sure that we have boundaries in place so that we actually are about the most important things in our lives, right? And our soul is often overlooked, right? And so last week we just saw that boundaries help us stay close to God and do what he wants us to do. Now today I want to take us in another direction that's just so huge for our personal lives, who we are as people outside these walls, but it's huge for also who we are inside these walls. And I want to talk about unity. And I want to talk about having peace between different types of relationships, This is so important in our lives. What we're going to talk about today, if you are married, if you are in a dating relationship, this is huge. This is, some of the stuff we're going to see today could transform your marriage or your dating relationship. Some of you guys who are just in, having a tough time with somebody, man, somebody at work, somebody you went to school with, somebody you just know, man, they're just giving you a hard time or you're giving them a little bit of a hard time and you know it. We're going to work through some of that here today as well. But this is a huge deal for us here inside these walls as well because we will not be a healthy church if we are not unified. And we want to continue to just discover what does it look like to be these healthy people who make up a healthy church. If we as people are healthy, our church will be healthy. If we as people are unhealthy, we have no shot at unity in this church. Some of the things that I think kind of get in the way of unity or working things out with your spouse or with a friend or even for those of us in the room who are single and it's like, man, you know, this relationship just feels weird lately. That friend, what happened? I think some of the things that get in the way of all that going like it should and could is pride impatience, some things like gossip or lying or stealing or anger or unforgiveness or bitterness or tearing one another down, even when it's joking, you know, sometimes like, you know, you say, say just the most devastating thing in the world and then you're just like, it's okay, I'm just kidding, you know, well, it didn't really help, it didn't really take the sting away, right? And so all these different types of things get in the way of us being unified and us having peace with the most important relationships in our lives and also here within this room. And so we're going to talk about this throughout the message this morning. And some of you guys may be thinking, this is kind of like a wimpy topic, you know, peace and unity and all this. Let me tell you something. You have to fight for unity. It is a fight. You have to declare war on everything that will come against peace in your relationships and with the relationships with the people here inside this room. So this is not a wimpy topic. We're talking fighting for what matters most, fighting for our marriages, fighting for our friendships, fighting for our church. And so this is an important thing to talk about. And, you know, God has so much for us to do together. Like, why is this a big deal, Doug? Because God has so much for us to do together, and I'm convinced of this. There are things God wants to do on Long Island 
that will only happen if we do them together. I think God wants to do specific things in this community through our specific church. And it'll only happen if we're on the same page, if we put aside all the stuff, if we drop the gossip, if we drop the unforgiveness, if we drop the anger, if we drop that they go to this service, so I go to that service, and we unify our hearts together. And we say, no, God wants to do something. And that's impossible to happen if you and I are at odds. And so we're going to work through this. And, and, and i got to say this, like, praise God, we have a lot of peace in our church. We, we do have a lot of unity. So a lot of what I'm going to say today is, let's continue in this way. Let's continue to be these people. And I'm proud of a lot of you guys because I'm going to share at the end a little bit how I've just seen some of you, many of you, work through some really difficult stuff. Just so powerful. I'm not going to get all specific. Like, you guys sit there the whole message like, he's going to bring up my story. No, I'm just saying I'm really proud. I'm going to put you up on the screen. No, I'm kidding. We're going to really proud of how some of you guys, man, you've humbled yourselves. You've let God heal you and work through you and work in relationships is so beautiful. I'm so proud to be your pastor. But we're going to continue to aim at this as we talk here today. Now some of us in the room, if we're honest, are saying, Doug, I could care less about the unity of this church. Like I'm not even being malicious necessarily. I just really don't care. Why should I care? Why should I care about the unity of this church and, and these other relationships in my life? Some of us maybe are saying, I don't care about the unity of this church or being at peace with others because I've just been really hurt, right? So why should I care about the unity of the church? And I just want to say, I think often the reason we don't care about peace and unity within the church is because sometimes we feel like we don't belong. Like, when we feel like we don't belong, when we feel we've been rejected, then we look and we say, well, well, I'm not going to fight for unity here because obviously I'm not wanted. Or I'm not on the inside of what's going on here. Or maybe you wouldn't even say the whole church, but that group. And some of us, there's like a certain group we just kind of want to belong to. We just want to be a part of what's happening and what's going on in that group. And sometimes when that's not happening, we go, you know, I don't care about unity then because I don't belong anyway. So what, what does it matter? And today, we're going to see why it matters. And it's an incredibly convincing reason why you and I should care about the unity of our church and the peace of our relationships in our lives. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're like, what is going on here? I don't even care about this church. Why do I care? Well, let me tell you about something. As we look through the verses today, you know what you're going to see? You're going to see the fact that God did something astronomical, something unbelievable to make, pe- to make peace between you and I and him. You see, every one of us have some things going on in our lives that displease God. And rather than God looking at you and me and saying, hey, I want you to fix all that yourself, he did something unbelievable to make peace for us. And that, that relationship and what he's done is really the model for how we're supposed to treat one another as well. And so this is for everybody in the room today. And so we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, and Paul's talking about unity, and he talks about unity and peace, and he's encouraging two groups of people who absolutely hate each other, okay? Something interesting happened in the first century. Jesus died on the cross, rose back from the dead, and now all these different types of people now believe in Jesus, and they're now in the church, okay? And you have people with very different upbringings, very different nationalities, very, very different ethnicities, very different understanding of life and God. And now they're all Christians. And Paul is looking at these two groups in particular, the Jews and the Gentiles. Gentiles just means non-Jews. And now you have Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, and they hate each other, like despise each other. And so Paul is writing to those people about how to work through all this and become a unified church. And so this is incredibly relevant for you and for me. 
Do you know those kinds of people in your life that when they walk through the door, that person, they walk through the door, you get like a pit in your stomach. You're like, oh no, they're here. You know that person? That was the Jews for the Gentiles and the Gentiles for the Jews. Anybody in the room have somebody, a friend, or I guess you wouldn't call them a friend, but someone in your life who just has a punchable face. You know what I'm saying by that? Like they, you just, they just do. Like uh, they were literally born and created and brought into this world to have a punchable face. Like that's just who they are. And some of you guys are like, yeah, Doug, it's you. I sit there every Sunday. I think about taking a shot after service, man, right? I, I, I'm ready for you. I've been training, just so, just so you know. Not with my brother-in-law, though. But, but this is how the Jews and Gentiles felt about each other. Hated each other. Hated each other. Punchable face all day, right? And the Jews on the one side are sitting there going, man, who do these people think they are, these Gentiles? They're not God's people. Who are they to be in church worshiping Jesus? And then the Gentiles are going, who are these Jewish Christians who think they're all that, who are trying to stop me from following Jesus here? This was centuries old, this hate. And Jesus has an answer for them. And Paul tells them how to work this out. Paul challenges them very specifically, and he gives them the why. See, I can get up on the stage and tell you, you should, we all should be unified, we all should, you know, stop the pride and stop the anger and all that, but I want to tell you why you should care first. And that's what Paul does. And so, we're going to be a big, healthy church made of a healthy people, then Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 is going to help us. He says this, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, on the screen there, you're looking at that going, I don't really know how that's going to motivate me, Doug. What's the big deal with that verse? This is brilliant. What Paul is doing sets up everything else we're going to talk about today. It is why we should care. Paul says, here's why you should care about unity, because you should live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. And you and I go, well, great, but what's the calling I've received? Do you know what calling you received? The calling you received was Jesus looking at you saying this, be, be mine. Belong to me. This should matter. Unity should matter. Peace should matter because you belong to me. That's what Jesus would say to you and my. Jesus is looking at you today going, be mine. That's the calling. Belong to me. Be my be mine, be in a relationship with me, be close to me, live close to me, be mine. Do you guys remember when you were a kid, you used to give out those Valentine's Day candies and be mine was written on one of those candies, right? You had all the different sweethearts, love and all that. My son, 10 years old this past year, he says, Dad, it's February 13th. I got to get candy for my class. Can you go get candy? Of course, I'll get Valentine's candy. Easy. He goes, okay, Dad, but you cannot have any stuff with anything like love or be mine or sweetheart or none of that. I can't have anything on that. Not the cards, not the candy. Not. Do you know how hard it is to find Valentine's Day candy without Valentine's Day sayings? And so I finally found some. I bring it home. Lanny came home Valentine's Day after school and he starts opening up his letters and some girls had dotted some eyes with some hearts and he's like, what is happening right now? Like, doesn't know how to handle Valentine's Day, right? Be mine, though, right? Be mine. See, Jesus isn't just isn't about a little Valentine's candy. Jesus from the cross looks at you and says, be mine. Jesus, as they're screaming at him, mocking him, spitting at him, says, be mine. In the grave, rises back from the dead, looks at you and me, says, be mine. Why should I care if my church is unified or not? Because you belong to Jesus. See, see that's the thing. Many of us don't care about unity because we feel like we don't belong. We do belong. We belong to Jesus, the most important person ever we could belong to. And guess what? The person that we struggle with sitting down the row or coming to the other service or we avoided today also belongs to Jesus. That's why we have to care. 
That's why we can't just be okay to say, let's just be at odds, and I'll go to this service, and you go to that service. And No, that's why we have to care. Because we do belong. Because he has saved us. Because he's made us his. He says, now live a life that is worthy of that calling. So incredibly important. So incredibly challenging for you and for me. And some of you guys here in the room are like going, okay, so, so what does it mean that I belong? It means that you're, you're God's kid. It means that you're loved. It means you're accepted. It means you are forgiven. It means that God has humbled himself and shown you in tremendous grace. And now all of that is to pour out of us toward those that we struggle with. And so what's going to happen here now is we're going to start to find the security of belonging to Jesus and go, oh, okay, I, I belong. Maybe I don't belong to that group because they don't treat me very well, and that's terrible, and I'm sorry that happens in church sometimes. But I belong to him. So because I belong to him, I'm going to treat them the way I should treat them. Maybe I don't belong to him or her because they always seem to avoid me, but I belong to him. And so because I have been purchased, because I've been loved so well and forgiven so much, then I will love well and I will forgive even when it's not returned. Challenging, but powerful. I can look at the person who doesn't like me and love them back because I'm loved so well, right? I can look at punchable face guy, even though his face is still punchable, and I can forgive, and I can let go. And then Paul is going to give us some really specific things to do here, okay? He's going to give us some really specific stuff. Now that we understand why this matters so much, and if I could just put this on hold and let's say, okay, let's bring this into our marriage, though. Let's bring this into our dating relationships. Let's bring this into our singleness, Let's bring this into our relationships with our kids and our grandkids and our parents and all that. Let's bring all this into that because we, we want to be healthy people and make up a healthy church, right? But I, I want you, as we kind of work our way through these verses today, to really listen for God. And we're not going to hear audible voices probably, right? Never happened in my life. But listen for God. When is he challenging you? Like if we all did this, what would happen? When is he challenging you specifically with a certain thing that Paul is going to bring up on this list that we know we need to work on? When I, when I was young, my, my family, my extended family, we'd get together every January 1st, and we would, we would party, man. Bingo. It was a big bingo party. I know, right? Wild folks, right? That's all we did. We just played bingo. <laughs> it was really kind of boring, actually. But my 98-year-old grandpa insisted every New Year's Day that we were playing bingo, so we were playing bingo, and he would orchestrate it, and he would have all these prizes, and he would give out prizes, and they were horrible prizes. It was like a half-eaten candy bar. It's like a dollar bill if you're lucky, you know? But as you're playing this game, what are you waiting for? You're waiting for that one moment for your board to fill up for that final G9, wah, bingo, or whatever it is, right? Waiting for that one phrase to be spoken so you can finally win, right? And today, as we're going through the message, I want you to kind of wait for the Holy Spirit to sort of go bingo. That, that's what you need to work on in this whole unity thing. Some of you will go, oh my gosh, that's what's wrong with my marriage right now. That's what's wrong with my dating relationship right now. That's what's wrong with my relationship with my boss. Oh, that's what's wrong with the person who, Relationship with me and the person across the aisle. Okay, okay. And we're going to see that. And in that moment, I just want us to respond to what God is telling each of us to do. Okay? So don't try to memorize this list and do all the things Paul says. When does the Holy Spirit kind of yell out bingo for you and then live it? Okay? And so here's, what he, here's where he starts in verse 2. He says, be completely humble. What an important starting place, right? Is this yours? See, humility in the midst of conflict says, okay, I want to say I'm right and he's wrong. But instead, I'm going to humble myself. Because I'm Jesus, right? Because I belong. Because he called out to me, be mine. And if we're talking church now, that person belongs as well. So I'm going to humble myself. Is that yours? Next one, gentle. And gentle. 
I was talking with a guy a few weeks ago in our church, and he said every time he has a hard conversation with somebody, he tries to just stay calm, which to be completely honest, I think we can struggle with sometimes, can't we? Stay calm. Be gentle. And he continually affirms the person throughout the conversation that he cares for them. Wow, that's powerful. What would that do in your marriage, right? What would that do in my marriage? What would that do in our relationships? What would that do here inside this room? I'm just going to be gentle. I'm be careful that words aren't carelessly flying out of my mouth when I get upset. Be patient. Be patient. Sometimes people talk more than we wish they did. Sometimes people don't talk to us at all and we wish they did. Sometimes people have an angry resting face and we wish they didn't, right? I don't have an angry resting face, but I've been told I have an angry, confused face. My wife tells me this all the time. So it'll be the most minuscule thing and she'll be like, Doug, where's the cheese? And I'll go, what cheese? And she goes, uh, the cheddar and you look like you want to murder me right now, okay? <laughs> so that's a fun one. But what little thing just comes at you, you go, okay, be patient. Angry resting face, angry confused face, going to be patient. Is this your thing? Is this what God wants to work on? Is he kind of yelling out bingo on anybody's heart here today? Bearing with one another in love. This is so important. So this letter that we're reading here was written in, in the Greek language. And the word bear in the Greek means to endure, to endure. Are we enduring with one another in love? This is important because sometimes, man, people are hard to love. And Paul here says, I want you to endure and bear with one another in love. Even if you have to grit your teeth, that punchable face guy, you endure in love. There was a lady who was taking the train out from New York City to Long Island. And as she's on the train, there was these three kids completely out of control, like insane out of control. And she sees the dad just sitting there doing nothing. And as she is getting more and more frustrated. She's biting her tongue, biting her tongue. Eventually she just says, sir, I got to tell you, your kids are completely out of control. Can you please do something? And the man looked up, had tears in his eyes. He said, I'm so sorry. I just lost my wife two weeks ago and I can't get myself and our family together right now. I don't know what to do. We never know what somebody's going through, right? And sometimes people walk through these halls and maybe they walk past us and they don't say hi. Or maybe they are just flat out rude. Or maybe we have an altercation with them and men, things did not quite get said as nicely and kindly as they should. But we just have to remember to bear with one another in love. We never know. We never know how broken somebody may be, right? That's why we have to bear with one another in love. We never know what they've gone through. We never know what their week was like. We never know what their day was like. And so is this your thing? Do you need to learn how to bear with somebody in love? Then I love this, verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I love those words, every effort, right? Because sometimes, if we're honest, we make no effort. Just like, I'm hurt, I'm out of here, right? Somebody treated me badly, I'm gone. Sometimes we make some effort, okay? Hey, I tried, you know, I I smiled at them, they still didn't smile back. Or, you know, all right, I'm not going to leave the church, but they go to the 930, I'm going to go to the seven so that at least there's that much more time that we're not in the room together. There's a little even extra buffer room. I won't even go 1130. Let's go set, right? We, we, okay, uh, I'll make some effort. But, but Paul says, no, 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 we got to make every effort, every effort. We're going to work through this. There's one, time, there's one time in Scripture where Paul is writing, and then suddenly he just goes, oh, and by the way, can you just tell those two people that aren't getting along to, like, work this out already? Like, who do we have to do that with? Who do we have to make every effort with? And I love the phrase bond of peace. That word bond means that which brings various entities into a unified relationship. Ever had to glue something back together, like for your kids or something? A little project. 
and it fell apart, right? And so you try a little Elmer's, and it's not, it's not, not going to do it. You need, like, Gorilla Glue, man. You need something that's going to bond that thing, right? The, those commercials are so ridiculous. Like, dad's out having a catch with his son. He throws the ball. His arm falls off, and the gorilla comes up, puts it back together with the glue, right? But this is the bond of peace, the adhesive of peace. And I love Paul says, hey, every effort to bond us together. Why, Doug, why should I care? Because you belong to Jesus. A, you belong. B, you belong to Jesus. And so do they. Verse 4. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Anybody catching on a, a word there that maybe Paul's trying to drive home? One, one, one. We are one. We are unified. We are one, 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 one. One God, one people, one family, one body, right? Unity, right? Over the next several verses, Paul talks about different gifts that God gives to kind of build up the church. But then in verse 25, it says this, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So what's Paul saying here? Hey, stop lying. That's going to destroy our unity. Unity is impossible where there is no trust. Unity is impossible where there is no trust, right? And so stop lying to each other. Don't lie about your, you know, somebody else trying to make them look bad. And don't lie about yourself trying to make yourself look better. Let's be honest. Unity. Right? Then he goes on. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. This verse is way too real for us, isn't it? Oh, man, we have all experienced this. We go to bed angry, and then we wake up, and not only are we angry, there's unforgiveness jammed in our heart, there's revenge, there's a plot, there's a, a payback scenario now in our mind we're scheming, right? I mean, when we go to bed angry, we give that devil a foothold. Literally, it's like going like this. Hey, buddy, you want a little step up into my life? It's almost like, you know, like somebody's going to be in the pool later today. Your kid's going to be like, give me a boost, Dad, right? And, and when you and I, when we go to bed angry, it's like, here, Satan, you want a little boost into my heart? Come on, grab, grab a hold a little bit more of me, right? And so Paul says, hey, let's deal with our anger while it's today. While it's today. It doesn't mean everything's perfectly worked out. There's been times Kelly and I have had an argument. I think it was just once. No, we, we had an argument, right? And we went to bed at first angry at each other. Like, don't you pull the covers? Those are my covers. Get off my covers, you know? It's my pillow. Give me the pillow. No, no, no. I get the soft pillow tonight, right? So loving. And that was all her. No, no. I'm just kidding. And then the Holy Spirit just starts to go bingo, bingo, right? Okay. Cal, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We don't have it all worked out. I don't know yet. You know, we don't have all the answers. We're not going to draw a schematic. It's three in the morning. We're exhausted, right? But I'm sorry, and I love you, and we kiss. We can go to bed, right? We didn't work everything out yet, but we're not angry. And that's what's so important. This doesn't mean we agree on every single thing. It says, guys, as a church, we're not going to agree on every single thing. That's the beauty of it. We're going to have different political backgrounds. We're going to have different takes on this verse and that verse. And, but that's the beauty of it is we get to be united anyway. So then it goes on. This is a powerful verse. It says, oh, no, well, this is good too, but the next one's a really powerful one. Let's say 28 too, all right? Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands. Then they may have something to share with those in need. And again, this goes back to trust, right? We don't want to be stealing. We don't want to be ripping each other off because with unity is impossible without trust, right? But here we go. Verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful woo, for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Three important words. Helpful, building, benefit. Helpful, building, benefit. Wow. What if everything that came out of our mouths was either helpful, built somebody up, or benefited them? Right? 
Why does this matter so much? Because we belong to Jesus. And if we're honest, guys, we wish our parents had parented us like that. Some of us wish our spouse spoke to us like that. Some of us wish our kids spoke to us like that, right? Always just building up, always giving life. And, you know, I think this is so important because we can struggle sometimes, like, with where the line is. Like, oh, man, you know, that might have been a little bit, a little bit hard. Was that, was that too close to the edge? of, Like, was that building up? Was that tearing down? I just want to say, we really know, guys. Don't we really know? Like, when we're building somebody up versus tearing somebody down. Let's give you an illustration, okay? I have back here a brick and I have a sledgehammer, okay? And if I take this and I just go ahead and give this brick a shot, like, no one in this room is going, what you building, Doug? Right? I mean, it's completely obvious. Nick just got shot with shrapnel in the front row, right? I'm breaking, I'm destroying, right? Right now, okay? And some of us, if we're honest, I, by the way, I could do that because I worked out with my friend when I was 20, just to let you know. So those seven, those seven pounds bend precious. Anyway, so some of us walk through life like this, if we're honest, into the workplace, into school, into our home, into church, and we're just ready to pounce on everybody. We're going to tear down, break down, destroy. But if I instead grab a hold of this, and I'm up here, and I'm working, and you walked in, and you go, oh, Doug is building now. Doug is doing something constructive. Doug is making a difference. Doug is creating something that wasn't there before, right? And so we really have the choice, like which way are we going to go through life? Are we going to build up or are we going to destroy? Are we going to build up or are we going to destroy? And we know, like there's no difference, or there's no comparison to what I did to that break and what I could go home and do and build with this, right? We know if we're building up or we're tearing down. We know if we're giving life or we're taking life. And you know, there's all kinds of stats about like the links between tearing people down and bullying and stuff like that and suicide. And I wish there were also stats that would tell us how many lives were saved when someone decided to give life instead of tear down. I wish we knew stats. I have a friend who is 41 years old. He's a police officer. And when he was 17, we were on a youth retreat. We were, we were just young kids in youth group. And his plan on this youth retreat was to take his life on the retreat. Like kill himself and we would find him dead on the retreat. And he's sitting in a room one night and I mean, I mean, I think back and, you know, we, we were all knuckleheads in youth group and we all joked and kind of, you know, we'd make fun of each other and stuff. But this kid was going through hell at home. I think his, if I remember correctly, his dad had died, possibly had also committed suicide. And his life was a complete mess. Alcoholism in the home, I mean, addiction and just, it was horrible. And I, I remember years later, him coming and telling me and a friend that the reason he didn't kill himself that night is because my friend Paul, as we're sitting in this room one night, just felt, again, not an audible voice, but this is like a 17-year-old kid, just felt like God put on his heart, go sit by him. Literally just got up, went over, and sat down next to him. Didn't even speak a word, but that one act of kindness, that one act of someone cares enough to even just sit by me. Someone has my back. I belong. Literally saved this kid's life. And I just wish there were some stats about how many have been rescued by the life-giving words. I wonder how many marriages have been rescued when someone goes, man, i got to stop tearing my spouse apart. I wonder how many friendships have been saved. I wonder how many churches have actually accomplished something great because they got on the same page together. 
and decided to give life instead of bring death with their words. Verse, 20, uh, verse 30, he says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We have to remember something, guys. When we gossip, lie, tear each other down, steal, un- don't forgive, it grieves the Spirit of God. It grieves the heart of God. I know we have a lot of parents here in the room. What grieves you more than when your kids destroy each other and tear each other down? Nothing. There's nothing worse than when our kids are at each other, right? And there's nothing better than when our kids are loving and laughing and encouraging. What a difference. What a different environment. And here, Paul is reminding us that it grieves the heart of God when you and I can't look at one another as his kids and say, I love you. I forgive. I'm going to let go. We're going to work through this. I'm going to stop gossiping. I'm going to stop tearing down. I'm going to give life. I'm going to build you up. And I love also in this verse, it says that we are sealed for the day of redemption. Do you know what that means? It's a reminder that we are his, that we belong to him. If you put your trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit's at work in your life, and you are his. We belong. Because we belong, we should care about unity. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. He goes, there's no room for that. There's no room for bitterness, rage, and anger. Well, what do I do with it, Doug? Take it to Jesus. That's what I've learned. 40 years old, lived a lot of my life with underlying anger. Like if you just hung out with me, you wouldn't see it. If you just hung out with me, you see me up here, it's just not coming out. I'm not walking around angry, mad at everybody, unless you ask me about cheese and I'm confused. But I'm just, that's just not who I am. But, man, if I get upset, suddenly, boom, what the heck, where did that come from? And I had to learn that I need to bring that anger and bring the pain that caused that anger to Jesus so he could heal me. So I'd stop taking that anger out on people that didn't even make me angry in the first place. And so it's bringing this stuff to Jesus. It's bringing it. It's saying, oh God, my bitterness, I don't know what to do with it. Can I give it to you? I need you to take it. I sat with somebody in the third, fourth row after the Sunday service last week and they were saying, I'm just so angry. I'm so angry. I don't know what to do with it. And I said, you don't make your anger go away. You need someone to take it. And the only person I know can take it is God. And so bring it to him. Next, he says, so he said, get rid of uh, bitterness, rage, and anger. Then he says, get rid of brawling. Thankfully, this has not been a major issue here at Living Word. (laughs) The last uh, problem I can remember was about 10 years ago on a youth retreat. Two brothers, one of them was playing with a Rubik's Cube. The other one messed him up, so he threw the Rubik's Cube at his head. But since the Rubik's Cube incident of 08, we've been on a pretty clean slate with that, so very grateful. And slander. He says, get rid of slander. In the Greek, the word slander means any kind of speech that defames or is abusive. So any kind of speech that defames. So in other words, uh, distorts who somebody is, who, how they're known. It makes them look bad. It makes them look painted in a bad light. And he says, along with every form of malice. Malice means mean-spiritedness or viciousness. Okay? Then, verse 32, and this is where we're going to stop here today. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And it all comes back to belonging, right? Hey, just remember why you should care about this. We started with it because you've been called. Jesus called out to you. You're his. You belong. And you're sealed for the day of redemption. Holy Spirit's at work in your life. And he compassionately and lovingly forgave you. So he says, now do that for one another. All right, so it's the Holy Spirit. Been making it clear to you maybe the, the one or two things you need to work on. Has the Holy Spirit been, bingo, there it is, there it is. That's the moment. What is it? for you. 
What are the things that you need to bring to God today? Remember I told you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, that you were going to see how Jesus made peace for us. Here it is. It's in this verse, right? Forgiving just as Christ forgave you, as God in Christ forgave you. Well, that's incredible. How did he do that? He did it by hanging on a cross in your place. He made peace for you and for me with his Father by dying for you and for me. And so you and I are now not trying to earn our way, earn our way, work our way, figure this all out, be better people. No, we come into this relationship with Jesus. We say, forgive me. And now, God, change me. Help me. And in the same way, we bring him our anger, and he takes it. We bring him our addiction, and we bring him our lust, and we bring him our fear, and we bring him our pain, and our depression, and all that. And we begin to see him at work in our life in a powerful, powerful way. So this matters for all of us here today, because Jesus made peace for us with God. Now we can make peace with one another. And here's what has to happen, guys. We have to make a decision. I know it's not really popular. We love emotion, and we love to be inspired, and we love passion. It's like, I want to feel like forgiving, and I want to feel like working through this, and I want to feel like stopping all this gossip and all this stuff. I want to feel it, you know? But this is a decision we make. And what I hope you guys are kind of getting here today is this frame of mind. I hope this goes down deep in our hearts, and this becomes who we are as a church with this thought. I will fight for unity because I belong to Jesus. That's what I hope goes deep down in your heart. That's what I hope you walk out of here with today. I will fight for unity because I belong to Jesus. I belong. So maybe I don't belong to that person who makes me feel bad, but I belong to him. And so because of that, I will forgive. Because of that, I will work through. And because of that, I will smile and I will wave and I will shake a hand and I will give a hug and I will be kind, even if I do all that and they still don't do it back. Because that's what Jesus has done for me. Jesus humbled himself so I can humble myself. Jesus forgave, so I can forgive. Jesus loved unconditionally, so I can love unconditionally. Not that I won't struggle with that, not that we won't struggle with that, but this is where we go, Jesus, help me with this. Help me with this. What's so ironic is that Jesus has said to you and I, you belong, and then we look at somebody else and say, you don't. How does that work? Jesus has said, come in, be mine. And we say, sorry, go out. You don't belong here. Now that's not the message we send to one another, and it's not the message we send to the world. And I think we have to discover that, that this belonging, belonging fosters unity. Belonging fosters unity. When we realize that we belong to each other, we begin to fight for that unity. We begin to say, I'm not okay with the destruction. I'm not okay with walking around with my sledgehammer. No, let's build each other up. And I think maybe where we tripped up was we were hoping, and it would be nice if this worked, and it should work a lot of the time, but we were hoping that we'd be so accepted by the people in this room that we would then go ahead and allow that belonging to foster unity. But I hope what you're seeing today is it's not about belonging to the people in this room that should foster the unity. It's belonging to Jesus is what fosters true unity. So now I can look each of you in the face and say, okay, we might have our differences and we might have our disagreements, but whatever it takes, the bond of peace, every effort, Endure, bear, forgive, patient, gentle, humble, building up, life-giving, benefiting, not tearing down. Man, I don't know about you, I want to belong to that church. And I think we are that church in many ways. But let's keep on going. And any of us here today that are struggling and wrestling with any of this stuff, let's continue to bring it to Jesus. So where did the Holy Spirit kind of identify for you today? Do you have to work on humility, gentleness, patience? bearing with one another in love, making every effort, 
keep the bond of peace? Is it being truthful? Is it letting go of anger? Is it stopping unwholesome talk? Is it stopping stealing? Is it building others up? Is it rage or bitterness or brawling? Is it malice? Or is it forgiveness? See, these are all the things now we bring to Jesus and say, help me. I will mess this up, God. Apart from you, there's no way I'm going to get this right, but I'm going to bring it to you. So help me. Please, Jesus. And watch him begin to empower us. And watch him pick us up when we fall down, because we're not going to get it right 100% of the time. But that's why his grace is there. And what I love about this church is that as I look out even now, I would say if I looked at the church as a whole in the past year, there's been at least a dozen of you guys who, if you were going to just take it off maybe being hurt or mistreated or being wronged, had every right to leave our church. And yet, at least a dozen of you guys in this past year have said, no, I'm going to work through it. It hurts. Sometimes it's tearful conversations. Sometimes it's sleepless nights. We're going to make every effort to keep this bond of peace because God is up to something and he can do something through this church united. He can't do through us apart. Because I belong to him, I will love well and I will forgive well and I will build up. And I'm so proud of you guys because so many of you guys allowed me to have a front row seat to conversations and times you'd love one another and you'd hug somebody who you'd have a, a, a conflict with and you'd forgive somebody, you'd pray for somebody and you'd call somebody, you'd text somebody and you'd let them know it's okay forgive we're going to work past it i'm telling you we are better as a church because of you guys so thank you for doing that let's continue to be the church that lives this way if you're not a follower of jesus i hope today you've understood the difference jesus wants to make in our lives and if you are a follower of jesus i hope today you'll take seriously any of these things you need to work on and as i said man your marriage will be better for it your dating relationships your single life it'll all be better for it but the most important thing is being a health, healthy people who make up a healthy church and remembering this attitude, I will fight for unity because I belong to Jesus. I will fight for unity because Jesus fought for me. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you've given us the opportunity to partner with you in this. And this is hard and it's difficult and it's challenging and we don't always feel it like we wish we did maybe. The emotions aren't always there. But Jesus, as we think about you hanging on a cross, I don't know how much emotion you had about hanging to that thing for us. You had made a choice. You had made a decision that you were going to save the world. And yes, you loved us, but, but you had, before you ever got on that cross, Jesus, decided this is what you would do to rescue us. And so now we make a decision to love those in the seats around us, to, the, to love those in the other services, to love those that we'll go home to today, to love those we'll go to work with this week, to love those that we went to school with this past year. And God, we ask you'll make all the difference. And we ask that you'll help us because this is hard. But we thank you. Your Holy Spirit is in us to make the difference. Help us, God, to put our sledgehammers down. Help us to build up. We thank you for the way that you have modeled this for us, Jesus. That we can forgive because we've been forgiven. We can love because we've been so loved. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him today, I'd encourage you just to pray something like this right now. Jesus, thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for dying in my place, for hanging on a cross so I could know you, so that my sins would be erased and I could spend eternity with you. Show me how real this is. 
Thank you for this gift. In your name I pray.